Welcome to the IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast for couples who struggle with infertility and want to fulfill their dreams of becoming parents. To access previous episodes packed with ideas, solutions and tips that actually work, head over to Dr. Chapman's IVF podcast on iTunes. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1-800-111-483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au. Managing a pregnancy after previous miscarriages. So today I'm going to talk about what you can do and what your doctor can do to improve your chances of not having a further miscarriage once you've got pregnant. This is specifically for women who've had multiple previous miscarriages, although it probably applies to all women with a pregnancy that they're anxious about. We'll start from the positive pregnancy test. Once a pregnancy test has been done, and I always suggest getting a blood level of the hormone HCG done, which gives us a good idea about how things are going, even by that first few days. If you had did a urine test um, or you knew that you ovulated 14 days ago and you're checking for a pregnancy, we would hope to see in the blood testing that we'd be doing, we'd hopefully be seeing levels of 50 or more units of HCG. Ideally, it would be near 100 by 14 days after the egg had been released. That's reassuring. A level of 20 or less is not a good sign and it is unlikely that you're going to end up with an ongoing pregnancy. It looks as though you might have got pregnant in the sense of an embryo being formed and attaching to the uterus because that's the only way that the HCG can get into your circulation. But there are many, many cycles of fertile women where early biochemical evidence of pregnancy, i.e. the HCG is present, but a period comes very soon after. I generally suggest that we repeat the HCG levels two or three days later. The reason for that is that we know that normal pregnancies, pregnancies that are going to do well, those levels will double every 24 to 48 hours. So as an example, if your level was 100, then I measure it three days later, I would expect the level to be more like 400 or more, and that will tell me that the pregnancy would appear to be going well. Now, you still can have an ongoing pregnancy at a lower rate of rise, but it's unusual. The other hormone that some people think is worth measuring is progesterone because it's progesterone which keeps the uterus relaxed and progesterone also reflects the way your ovaries are responding to being pregnant because that's where initially the progesterone comes from. If those levels were low and your HCG was high, um, there would be a school of thought that says giving progesterone is a good idea. I personally use the ovaries to produce the progesterone and so I try and stimulate progesterone production by the ovaries by giving injections of pregnancy hormone, augmenting what is already there. Now, randomised controlled trials have not shown any benefit for doing that, but there is within those trials the potential for missing a small group of women in whom progesterone deficiency is a cause for their recurrent miscarriages. Now, all women that get pregnant uh, will be wondering when they're going to start getting symptoms. And as soon as you start to get symptoms, that's a reassuring sign that the hormones are doing their job. So those symptoms will be sore breasts, feeling tired, and eventually 
nausea and sometimes even vomiting. Now those changes can come at varying points in the next few weeks. The tiredness and the breast tenderness tend to come early. Nausea usually starts by five or six weeks of, of pregnancy uh, and peaks out at around uh, nine weeks of pregnancy. Not getting nausea, it doesn't mean the pregnancy is doing badly. There's a lucky 15% of women who don't get those symptoms of nausea. My experience would say, however, that tiredness and breast tenderness is almost universal. Having felt those symptoms, if they disappear, women start to get anxious and they may be right because as hormone levels fall, if miscarriage is going to, going to occur, those symptoms may get better. The loss of those symptoms, in my experience, is not always indicative of a problem with the pregnancy. Don't give up hope just because the symptoms have gone. During this time, my general advice about diet and lifestyle to be normal. You know, don't deliberately now go out and change your diet. There are some things that I suggest avoiding because of their potential risks of damaging the pregnancy. So, for instance, avoiding uh, seafood um, because it can have bacterial infection if it's not absolutely fresh. Also, having things in the fridge for more than two or three days, leftovers from a meal, is not a good thing to be eating because there's a bug called listeria which can live at four degrees in the fridge um, in, the, in food that has left over. So always eat fresh food, always eat cooked food, try and avoid anything that potentially carries infection. But other than that, a normal diet is what is required. Now, if you do have nausea and vomiting, um, you may have to adapt a diet because you're going to not particularly want to be eating. So small amounts of food frequently is enough to keep the pregnancy healthy. You don't need to eat a lot to keep a pregnancy going. If you think about it, the pregnancy at six weeks is only about three or four millimetres in size. The baby is tiny. It doesn't need lots of nutrition. Even by 10 weeks, it's only a bit of about a centimetre. So it doesn't need lots and lots of food. It can manage and your body has great reserves as well, even when you're vomiting and badly. So uh, in terms of exercise, I generally say don't overdo things, but if you normally exercise, do so, but do so in moderation. If you're running 10 kilometres a day, don't. Just run two or three kilometres and walk the rest. Don't overdo things. Don't get exhausted. In terms of following the pregnancy, particularly a precious pregnancy after a current miscarriage, I generally see patients every two weeks um, at that six-week visit. That's uh, six weeks after the last menstrual period, two weeks after the positive pregnancy test. Uh, I do a scan, and by that stage, we should see a fetal heart in about 99% of ongoing pregnancies. If we see a heartbeat at that six-week scan, um, what we know from statistics is that 90% of those pregnancies will go to produce a baby. Go on and there'll be a baby at the end of the day. That does, however, leave 10% who are still going to miscarry. And that's whether you have a miscarriage before or this is your first pregnancy or whether it's natural pregnancy or IVF. That's the statistic. And so to follow things up, I see you again in two weeks' time. And at that point, um, if we see a heartbeat, we're now up to over 95% chance of a baby at the end of the day. And by 10 weeks, we're up to 98 to 99% certainty that there'll be a baby at the end of the day. And that's the time I suggest to people they should wait for 
before they tell the world that they're pregnant. From 10 weeks on, then we're moving forward to obstetric care and you then should find uh, an obstetrician or find the public hospital who's going to look after you for the rest of the pregnancy. Those 10 weeks can be very stressful, particularly if you've lost a pregnancy before. But those positive signs of the symptoms and the ultrasounds that show heartbeats carry people forward. But being cared for in that intensive way, what I call tender loving care, has been shown to improve the chances of success. So uh, that's why I think close monitoring um, does help produce a better pregnancy, as well as having a good lifestyle and being optimistic as much as you can. And don't forget that you can access all the previous episodes by going to our website, www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu. Thank you for listening to The IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast which helps couples negotiate their way through the IVF journey all the way to parenthood. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1800 111 483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au. 